friends. It's been a week, and what a week it's been. I hope everyone is staying safe and healthy. I would like to take a quick moment to thank everyone who has taken the time to reach out with kind words. It's much appreciated encouragement, and it makes me excited to make more episodes. On the subject of making more episodes, it simply wouldn't be possible without people like Sean McStravick, Dante Topo, Eden Palomino, and Eleanor Hobson. Your support keeps this project as well as my physical form alive. For those of you who would like to be like these amazing folks and donate, you can catch my Venmo in the episode description, and soon you will be able to pledge on Patreon. More info on that coming soon. This episode is the last of the 2019 material, but don't fret, more current episodes are on the way. And if you have a particularly funny story about sexual awakenings or puberty, I want to hear it, and I'm pretty sure the listeners do too. You can email me at sexualawakeningspod at gmail.com. So without further ado, that do it for you. Episode 4, Lion King of My Heart, with Dante Tapo. Hello and welcome to That Do It For Ya, a sexual awakenings podcast about why we're like this. I'm Aurelia Grierson, and every episode I interview a guest about the media that made them horny for the first time, and how and if they carry that with them today. This is a sex-positive podcast with swear words and mentions of characters I do not own. We're recording. No. <laughs> yes. Yes, we are. This is all off the record, right? No. Uh, hi, and welcome to That Do It For Ya, the sexual awakenings is podcast that about. What it's called? Yes. <laughs> you interrupted my flow. I'm sorry, dog. I'm here with my friend Dante Tapo. Dante, how are you? What's up? I'm doing okay. <laughs> you lean a little bit more into the mic. I got ice no, That's too close. <laughs> Uh, Shockingly, this isn't my first podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I know. You were on um, Angelica Florio's Deck the Pod. That's right. A podcast I listen to religiously. That's right. You should all listen to it as well. It's available on iTunes. Uh, Yeah, so I'm here with my friend Dante. Uh, Dante, how you doing? I'm doing so good. You tell the listeners how we know each other. We sprung from the same oak tree fully formed. (laughs) Yes. Eons ago. (laughs) (laughs) Um... High school, but, like, the most important bit of high school. We were just talking about this today. Um, we were in the same, like, what, it was, like, homeroom English global studies class. Damn straight. With yeah. With our professor. Not a professor. She was not a professor. Uh, <laughs> Doing <laughs> Jones dirty like that. We can't say her name. Doing... I have to edit it out. Oh, I'm no. going to have to bleep that. <laughs> Doing bleepy bleeping Jones dirty like Stop. that. Stop. <laughs> about how um she thought there was going to be a rice crisis well first she thought that we were dating well we were dating no but before when before we dated for that for that brief Did for she? that brief spell <laughs> for those two weeks for, the, for those for those <laughs> formative two weeks yeah. wait what did she think we were dating our whole entire high school? Literally, life? yes. Remember, we had an actual conversation. I remember with her that about she this. thought, yeah, she was like, "Marry her," and I was like, "What? <laughs> Excuse? Pardon? Excuse me? Pardon? No." But so our our global studies teacher understood that there were some uh, mounting tensions between the U.S. and China, <laughs> and thought that this meant that there was going to be a rice crisis. And I think never about, quite clear what that meant. She was never very clear about what that meant, but she said in our lifetime we would experience the rice crisis. And I think about this at least once a week. <laughs> whenever I'm at a sushi restaurant. Whenever I'm at a sushi restaurant or whenever I'm at a grocery store buying rice. Or where I, you're like getting poke and there's too much rice relative yes, to the I'm tuna. Yes, and I'm like, where is the rice crisis I was promised? <laughs> <Where> is- <laughs> 
<laughs> when when China slaps tariffs on the United States in retaliation for the United States slapping tariffs on China. So Dante, tell us what you do. <laughs> I feel like you just did. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> I am a diplomat. Are you going to get in trouble for being on this podcast? Very probably. No, no one knows how to download things in the federal government. Also, I don't think we're talking about anything illegal. To be clear, I feel like I have to say this once an episode. This is not an episode about furries, so if that's your thing, no, there's no kink shaming on this podcast. But that's not what this is about. I'm not here to talk about our stuffed animals. But we are here to talk about the Lion King. Finally! And I feel like this is going to be the first of many Lion King episodes because this is how this podcast was born. Literally went online after the... After the uh, the Lion King trailer for the new CGI Lion King. Which not no live needs. action. No not live action it. Lion no King. No one needs that. Although, is that a commentary on what live action means now? Are we just living in a simulacrum of experience in which the representation of life is more important than life itself? This is a very good episode already. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so everyone was mad because the lions uh, weren't sexy and were, they were not turned on by this lion, these lions, which made me realize that, oh, I wasn't the only one who felt stirrings by these, um, by these uh, anthropomorphic lions. They have eyebrows. Not enough, though. Not enough eyebrow? As, as, we'll, as we'll explain. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. So, Dante, would you be so kind as to tell us, your, tell, tell us how it all began for you? So what's important is to understand what the Lion King for like is right like the Lion King is just the er coming of age story right like it is a literal building <laughs> from on it is Hamlet it is you know a little bit of a little bit of the Bible a little bit like it's 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 all of our stories about like young young chosen one wanders and returns after great tragedy and personal development it is the hero cycle one of our narratives yes so. <laughs> Right in the midst of this hero cycle, where our young prince Simba is just feeling the stirrings of adult lion activity. He's got a, a, a stubbly, wispy mane. So they went through that great sort of uh, time has passed. Uh, walking. Walking through across yeah. that log, and he had his awkward haircut phase. I want to see a movie that is just Simba in the awkward hair phase. Just just a Simba like, super bad? Deep pubescence. Like that, <laughs> I look at that, like that's a pubescent lion. Simba played by Seth Rogen <laughs> and right. I mean, Jonah Hill. Like. Well, I mean, Seth, isn't Seth Rogen in the new movie? I think he's the voice of Pumbaa. No fucking way. I think so. <laughs> that can't be real. Yeah, I think so. We really gotta end this movie, you guys. We can't, <laughs> I we think can't do I this. I think he's Pumbaa, and then Billy Eichner is Timon. Big mistake not casting Bill Hader as Timon. I, I guess, but I think... As a reprise. But we know, like, he, the thing is, is that Nathan Lane did the original Timon so perfectly that there is no... There's no... The closest, if the closest we can get is Billy Eichner, I'm happy for that. Further evidence if that we Timon, do not need another Lion if King. If Timon is not played by a gay man, I'm not interested. <laughs> Timon is canonically oh, wait. queer. Oh my god, wait. No way, is that a thing? Yes. Wait, is that like... Timon... Like Timon and Pumbaa are just like... I don't know if they're together. Are they, like, are they like the two, the two Muppets who heckle in the opera? Are they together? I thought they were supposed thought to be Roger were. and Ebert. No, I, th- I mean, Roger and Ebert are, but I thought also... No, I thought they were supposed to... The two elderly queens. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I think... Who got strong feelings. Right, I mean, Bert and Ernie apparently are not together. My ass. But, no, I don't think that Timon and Pumbaa are, like, a couple, but I think Timon is canonically <laughs> okay. a queer cat. Okay. <laughs> How fucking dare you. Um. 
Was this all set up just for that joke? Did Maybe. you have that joke ready That's for That's why I brought you into years? my home to talk into this uh, <laughs> microphone set up on my water bottle. Talk into this water bottle. To talk into um. this water bottle. <laughs> <laughs> so there is, so, okay, so, so. Uh, what do we have? We have Simba. We have Simba. Um, and I should say that I watched the original Lion King on repeat over and over again for hours I, as a five-year-old. I think it was one of the first movies I ever watched. Yeah, like, my the, mom tells me the story of taking me to the movie theater when I was, like, a toddler, and that was one of the first yeah. movies I ever saw. It was definitely the first thing that I recall liking rather than just experiencing. Sure, sure. Right? Like, you're that age where it's just like, you know, the world flows over yeah. you like the river over a stone. And you were like, I like this movie. And you're like, no, I, no, this, this is... This is my shit. This is the one that I want to <laughs> see. Little toddler Dante. This is my shit. I like this. The lions. I would. I would sit. I would sit down in a way that, with excellent posture, that I've since lost under oh. the burdens of adulthood. Um, the shame <laughs> of being alive. The shame <laughs> of having a body. You're Catholic. You get it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Bless me, Father, for I am corporeal. <laughs> and I would sit and we had it on VHS and we would play it over and over and over again and my parents were, every time they tried to take it out of the VHS I think I would like I would like scream and oh, shout no. um, and uh, and so what what so so it's you know clearly formative right um, it's interesting sidebar for just a second in the first episode of this that I recorded with my friend John Allen I talked about how like yeah I liked things up until the point of seeing Shrek but when I saw Shrek that was the time I first recognized something as humor and, like, this is funny oh. to me. And, like, that was the first movie I remember being like, this is a funny movie. Oh, like, this is this is a bit that's just there to make you laugh and yeah. doesn't advance the I plot. I understand. Like, it was the first, it was a, a vital stepping stone in me understanding humor. And I feel like liking Lion King is, like, a vital step in any millennial's, like, discovery of taste. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think everyone can yeah. kind of agree yeah. that it yeah. is one of the best Disney movies of what is definitely one of the golden ages of Disney. For sure. No, it's one and it, it, it is shockingly the least racist, um, even <gasps> though it's still super racist. I mean, one of the, um, the, I'd say the one thing that I really do like about the CGI reboot is that it is like a black cast. That is, yeah, that's key. I don't think that this, I don't need to see CGI lions that look like lions. I'm deeply uninterested in that, but I'm deeply interested in Beyonce and Donald Glover. <laughs> So what you're saying is you just want to see a live action version of I would you want you want to see a filmed version of the Lion King the musical yeah. cast with, with Beyonce Beyonce and, and Donald Glover. Yes. This is what I'm after. You heard it here. You heard it here. Make it this happen. This is the idea. Make it happen, you Make guys. Make it happen with all of with all of the money. All right. Should we get to the Should we get to the thing that we've been dancing around? I mean, can you feel the love tonight? There it is. So, um, everyone knows it. There is a scene in The Lion King where it is very clear that young Simba and young Nala get it on. They fuck. They clearly... They fuck in this movie. It's like a play wrestling thing, which later informed everyone's, you know, play wrestling during games of house, etc., as children. But that's, like, clearly what's supposed to happen. He is a, you know... So Simba loses his virginity and <laughs> goes and then kills his uncle, right? Like, this is key. It's Hamlet, but without like Ophelia killing herself, yeah, right? She lives, which means it's a better Hamlet. The Lion Aww. King is a better Hamlet. With um, feminist effort, I think. Yeah. So I'm not going to talk about the fact that they had sex. That's not important. They did that's though. Not, that is important. But that's not that's not the inflection point for me. What's the, the inflection point? The inflection for you? point is I wish we had done the research to find the exact minute in the show that this happened because I would want the audience to know so they can confirm it. 
Nala gives Simba a look. <laughs> is this during the song or is this outside of the song? This is during the song and during their like is this play roughhousing. On top of her? I believe it is. I, everyone knows what look you're talking about. If you don't know what look we're talking about, you need to watch The Lion King again to, you know, reset your humors or whatever. And yes. and it is an arched eyebrow coquettish look. That the camera shoots from, like, kind of over Simba's shoulder or forepaw or something. Yeah. And there is a reason that look has stuck with me for the next 22 years of my life. That look, that scene, that song, the two of them turned me bisexual. <laughs> You're trying to make me do a, pit, a spit take? In yeah. This, like... <laughs> <laughs> um... Fully, I fully believe that that look, and then the look, the subsequent look he gives her, and them drinking water, kind of looking at each other, was like very confusing to me as like a tiny queer baby, <laughs> just being like, <laughs> both of these eyebrows are really doing for me. <laughs> Matthew Broderick's voice. Oh my god! Holy no- shit! Is it Matthew Broderick? That's Matthew Broderick. No way. Okay. I've said this on the podcast before, but it's never really been acknowledged. He killed someone. What? He, like, killed someone with his car. And, like, we don't talk about that. Wait, what? Yeah, Matthew Broderick (laughs) killed someone. (laughs) Wait, 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 wait. No, wait, wait. Um, So, first of all, was it the car from Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Was it the nice one? Because Cameron's dad's going to be really mad. Oh, my God. Um, But, wait, so he killed somebody. He killed somebody? Yeah, Matthew Broderick. He, like, Kennedyed somebody, basically? Kennedyed someone. (laughs) Oh, shit. Like, Wait, when did this happen? Why don't, why oh, don't we know I about think it? it like, was like in the 90s, like when he was still young and hot, and you know, when he was like in The Lion King. Like, uh-huh. oh, that voice. <laughs> the sensuality of the voice. <laughs> I think, isn't is it The Lion King kind of that, that I feel like a, a message that I got from The Lion King was that like the people that you grow up with are ultimately meant to become your lovers, correct? Like, that was something I kind of internalized from that movie, I think. I mean, I think that's more because there are apparently only three lions in the entire <laughs> world in The Lion King, which is, you know, increasingly true. Right. But it does kind of... It, oh, The Lion King as a romantic comedy. The where, Lion King like, romantic comedy. Where, like, two young lovers are separated, and then... She comes to she, find him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and then, the, you know, to, to, to bring him back. Right. I mean, she's a badass in her own right. Like, I love Nala. But... There's, there's something that, in, in watching the movie now that I, like, picked up on, was that they actually were in an arranged marriage. Zazu tells them this, that they are supposed to get married later. Really? Yes. Right before oh, wow. I Just Can't Wait to Be King, Zazu says to them, uh-huh. one day you two are going to be married. And oh then, my gosh, so they're, they're like, And they're like, ew, yuck. Game. And then she's like, no, he's like, it's been decreed, like, it's been planned, like, this is... Yeah, they are, like, they've always been, like, supposed to get married. So, like, dynastic politics Dynastic politics, yes. Requires. (laughs) Yes. The merging of these households. Yes. Oh, my God. That's, like, kind of sweet. Is is it sweet, or does it take away the absolute pure, beautiful romance that is Can You Feel the Love Tonight? A song that slaps. Also, (laughs) if you haven't listened to the mashup of Can You Feel the Love Tonight and Best I Ever Had by Drake, you're missing out. <laughs> I can't play anything on this podcast because I'll like get like copyright Mega issues. Sued. Mega sued. Um, <laughs> I will have copyright issues, but on your own time, look up Can You Feel the Best I Ever Reader, Had. this is your homework. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, there's also um, Miss New Booty, 
mashed oh, with. Yes, I uh, showed you this. What's it called? Just can't what? wait for booty. Just yeah, just can't wait to be king. That's that song also bangs. Slaps. That was ahead of its time because we're into we're into that kind of combination now. I um, had like this phase of my life where I like listened to and found a very vast library of Disney and pop song mashups. Basically like, just defilement. Some, like, yeah, some dirty rap songs mixed with Just Can't Wait to Be King, Under the Sea, Girl Worth Fighting For from Mulan. I don't want to know what that one was. It was Ying Yang Twins. Of course it was Ying Yang Twins. So it's good, Ying it's Yang good. Twins. It's a good song. It slaps. All of these are on my workout playlist. Like, I lift to them. <laughs> Aurelia from the future here just dropping in to say that these songs are still incredibly good, and if you are interested, I will link them in the episode description. I just, like, <laughs> what does that say that we have an urge to smash childhood anthems into songs about boning on the dance floor well what does it say about us that lion with eyebrows made us horny <laughs> this is the why i do the podcast on or like gave us the concept of horny that's oh, yeah. actually I the think key that, issue yeah maybe that's what it is it gave us i feel like that scene in particular the moment you're talking about they're like rolling in the grass he's like that lion is on top of that other lion and she's like giving him consent and he's like cool and like yeah it's very <laughs> consensual it's all very like there's no like fight they're both like hell yeah we're here for this also lions in the animal kingdom like the female lions are are quite are are, are equivalently f- have equivalent physical prowess as the male lions the male lions are just trophy husbands yeah male lions um, are trophy husbands the, the lionesses are the ones that go out and hunt and like do all the stuff so like if she wanted to she could fuck him up oh no nala could easily fuck him up and they talk about that in the slash mm, yes they talk about that in the movie where when scar is like why aren't the lionesses hunting and sarabi his mom not scar's mom like the mom yeah the mom is like there's no food left we can't hunt it so i'm glad that they kept that consistency in it of like lionesses are the ones who hunt oh something i want to bring up and this is like something that someone was talking to me about with the new like all these remakes of our classic Disney movies mm-hmm. that don't need to be remade. Something that's happening as these movies are being re- remade is that the queer coding of the villains is going away. Yes! Yeah. Yes, I've heard this take. So where Scar and, and like... Because like, I think of Scar, Scar was like definitely like a gay uncle. Scar was fabulous. Scar... He did have that... He did have a certain cadence slickness to yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah. They're, all of these villains... I mean, it's unfortunate that they're like... That that like villains were clear-coded but there was something so fabulous about them Hmm. like jafar Mm -hmm. gay Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yes (laughs) scar orientalist gay as well i mean um, well that (laughs) ursula gay so someone once described to me well not to me directly but it was on another podcast obviously um said that ursula is just supposed to be divine yeah and i I was like oh my god oh my god divined that's how who she was designed after yes but not only that, but, like, I mean, Ursula, vastly misunderstood and misrepresented character in the Disney canon. Mm. Like, I think, I don't think that her demands were unreasonable. I think she was making a really valid point. Like, Walk as me through the stick. The older I get... The more you <laughs> the identify with the Ursula. The more I think about this. I, mean, <laughs> I don't identify with her, but she, like, makes this point of, like, honey, he's not gonna give a fuck about what you have to say. Mm. Like... And if you sign away your agency, and if you sign away the thing, if you're, like, willing to give up your voice mm. for quote-unquote love, mm. then you'll lose your mobility as well. Specifically. You lose the thing tail. that is able to propel you forward. Mm. Mm. Like, those two things are linked. And it's smart. 
So Ursula's just providing, um, like, a tough love? Kind of. It's not even that. It's like, I don't... Or like a, like a morality tale, but we take it the wrong way. Morality right? tale, but we take it the wrong way. Mm. I think we're, we, we are... It's, it makes us side with the wrong people, I think. I think Ariel is an idiot. And Ursula is incredibly smart. Oh, so the, so, so the Little Mermaid is an admonishment. Mm-hmm. Right? It's a, okay. I mean, like, Oh, I dig that. Yeah. I like that. There's a little... I mean, there's the issue there of, like, like sort of the femme-on-femme violence that happens. Sure, sure, sure. Right? I mean... So what do we think about the fact that the villains were coded as queer? Because it seems like there's there's an argument to be made that losing that coding is a, is, a, is a loss of representation. But was that good representation in the first place? I can't answer that question. I do know that, like, unless the coding is being replaced with something. Mm. Like, unless, like, yeah, no, it's not great that, oh, queer equals evil in these universes. That's not good. But I know, like, as a queer person growing up, I identified a little bit. With their fabulousness. <laughs> and I can't speak for everyone when I say, oh, there's a deer outside my house. There's two deers outside my house. Special guest! <laughs> Welcome to Ashland. Human-sized rats. <laughs> rats with hooves. Um, they really fuck these deers. Remember, I, I think the, the thing I, this is making me think of, and this isn't an answer, this is maybe just me deflecting, is remember when we were told we were going to have a specifically queer moment in the remake of Beauty and the Beast and the specifically queer moment was like a longing look from LeFou at like another man and that was like literally it I think it's 2019 and we no longer I think we need to move past longing looks we have to move past longing looks I think queerness needs to be more than longing looks so like I'm fine losing the queer coding of the villains but you have to like replace it with actual queer characters like Mm. I can't I'm not, I'm done, I'm done existing in universes where I'm just supposed to accept that everyone is straight because I only know like a handful of straight people. Most of the people in my life are gay. Heterosexuality is fake. Probably. Yeah. 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 I, I, I guess I, I wonder if it's like good. I, I just, I don't think it, I don't think it would be better to be explicit and have Jafar be an effect eastern man who you know corrupts and destroys the 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 virtuous masculinity of aladdin or whatever right like that doesn't seem no good. he also um, fully makes out with jasmine so i don't think that he's like anti i don't think he's like strictly dickly if you get my <laughs> i get the, the new aladdin also is one where it's like they're at least casting people of color i know and i feel like that's s- like the cool effort about this thing mm-hmm. that's good but like i also i'm like Duh. can't yeah. you just make new stories but i guess i mean Aladdin is one of the stories that's been being told for thousands of years. It came, it's, it's in the A Thousand and One Nights. It's yes. like a classic story from the global mythos. Yeah. It's but, a... like, so it, it, I mean, it doesn't matter that it's being retold. Like maybe not, but like, I wish that it was being retold in a way that contributed to the mythos rather than just replicating it. Right. Right. Instead of just like redoing it with sort of a different layer. <laughs> shot for doing, shot. Just do it. Just do it. Well, like I mean, it's, it's one of those problems where like, who are, like you're never you're never gonna make you're never gonna make everybody happy with the not. thing, you know? Because there's gonna be there's gonna be purists who want it to be just as misogynist as before, huh. and then there's gonna be you know folks who are like, I want it to be something new and different. Sure, um, sure, sure. Uh, I think what we can all agree on is we don't need this new Lion King. No, we do not need it because it doesn't contribute anything to the mythos of 
the hero's journey, uh, the Hamlet story, all these things that Lion King already is, it's not contributing to it in any way. And lions that look like lions are definitively not hot. Lions that look like lions are definitively (laughs) not hot, and I do not want to fuck those lions. (laughs) I don't understand how you can have, like, this hyper-real lion, like, this lion that is designed to look extremely real, but, like more real than an actual lion looks it's all right this is gonna be this is gonna Go. be this is gonna be a sideways take <laughs> no, give, give us your most spicy much, take much in the same way that like los angeles weather is the pornography of weather it is not <laughs> real and a uh hyper realistic simulation of what people conceive of as weather that has then replaced what weather actually is sure. and pornography is a hyper real representation a performance of sexuality that is not actually what sexuality is these lions are porn lions but oh. they're not actually hot amazing <laughs> what a take they are too real to be real lions and instead of being sort of the idea of lions, the yeah, way that the way that, the way that a cartoon the idea lion, of sex instead of taken to a weird extreme, it is it is it is actually a dulling effect, and you don't get you don't get a coquettish eyebrow raise during <gasps> no. a coming of age tale, which is essentially how um, I became the person that I am today, and that's why we do this podcast. <laughs> That's it. I think that's really the, that's the takeaway here. And I think that's exactly right. And that's something about like, cause I, wow. I'm just so sorry. No, that's the best take that's ever been taked. That take was taken. <laughs> by, by <laughs> no. Oh, Jesus. Nope. I really hope that I'm not associated with Liam Neeson. No, none of us want to be. Not in, no, not in, not in this day anymore. Canceled. Not in this day, not canceled. in this age. But, no, I think that's exactly right. I think the issue that I've had, I think the issue we we all had, just when it comes to this thing that I think told us what it means to be horny, showed Mm -hmm. us what Mm -hmm. that looked Mm -hmm. like. Yeah. You don't get that same thing because the humanness of the lion is what made us, and this is something I bring up, it it made us go for that. and It did it for us because, and this is something I talk about with, the Aristocats and Shrek and all these other things is that the human, it's its not furriness necessarily because it's the human quality that we're identifying with. And that's, mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. allows us to connect that that's the pathos of the thing. Right, right. They're human so, like, stories told and via. And like, it's not just like, oh, I'm bummed. I'm not going to be horny by uh, watching Can You Feel the Love tonight, which I'm sure I won't. But it's also like, I'm not going to cry when Mufasa dies. It's not going to hit me the same way. Right, because those it's just damn a lions fucking lion. don't have eyebrows. <laughs> It's just a fucking lion dying. It's not your dad. It's not my dad. It's, and like, I don't, like, no matter how expressive you make them, it's a fucking lion. Right. It's a, it's a, yeah. I would be more sad if it was an actual lion lion rather than. Oh, yeah. You know. But this, like, this facsimile of a lion. Right. Exactly. This this lion automaton. Sure, sure, sure. And like, I, I I think you either have to like make these animals human Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or you, or, or real lions, you cowards. <laughs> Why didn't you make the movie with real lions, you cowards? The representation we need is more lions in cinema. Um, more lion stories told by lions for lions. Um. I think that's a great place to end this episode. Dante, so do we don't you... talk. We don't want to talk about Mary Louise Parker from uh, from Weeds. That can be another episode yeah, okay, for fair, another fair. time. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, Dante, thank you so much for this. A very interesting conversation about anthropomorphic lions. Thank you for essentially unemploying me. I'm Do you have to anything you'd like to plug? 
No, no, I'm a bu- boring You're bureaucrat. You're a bu- boring bureaucrat. I'm a boring bureaucrat. You I don't have. I don't get... have creative projects. Yeah, but I, I want you to get a, a Twitter. I should get a Twitter. At the end of each episode, I have like a little like outro, in which I say that I do have a Twitter, but I won't tell you what it is because I'm hiding from my job. Nice. Oh yeah, I don't have a Twitter yet, but when I do, I will definitely be hiding from my job. Always. So, so um, cool. Nothing yeah, to plug. Great. Boring bureaucrat. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm, one of my bestest friends mm-hmm. in the whole world. Um, that was a weird burp. I love you. You can't see it, but we're holding hands. And uh, yeah, that that was a. Uh, I hope that did it for you, Dante. That definitely did it for me. Did that do it for you? Definitely did it for me. Awesome. I don't know what that says, but it did it for me. Thank you. Well, that did it for me. Hope it did it for you. Thank you so much for listening. That Do It For You is created by Aurelia Grierson, edited by Aurelia Grierson with the understanding that I am not technologically savvy, with visual designs by Margaret Chambers. You can't follow me on Twitter because I'm hiding from my job, and my Instagram is personal but searchable. Tune in next time.